0: Welcome to 7 Skills for the Future podcast. This podcast is all about bringing seven skills into your life every day that make a big difference. And those skills are adaptability, empathy, critical thinking, integrity, being proactive, being optimistic and being resilient. These skills and nurturing them make a huge difference to how you interact with other people, how you live your life and to your happiness levels, to the way that you work, just to everything. Um, It's based on the book, Seven Skills for the Future, which you can buy in all major bookstores and on Amazon, and it's published by Pearson Business. I'm Emma Sue Prince. And today I am delighted to be welcoming deep listening expert and former marketing director at Microsoft, Oscar Tromboli, to the show, all the way from Australia. Oscar has a wealth of experience behind what makes for great listening skills. And it's one of the skills most likely to build your empathy. And we talk about some really easy tips to supercharge your your listening skills. And what I love about Oscar is that he has dedicated all of his work now to the subject of deep listening. That's all he does. And he decided to dedicate himself to understanding the science and the art of listening to create really positive impacts in the workplace, in the world, at home. So there's really strong resonance with uh, what we do at Seven Skills for the Future. And um, by way of background, while working at Microsoft, he rebuilt the Graduate Leadership Program, which was then implemented in 26 countries. Oscar's passionate about creating effective communication and fostering leadership for the next generation, hoping to build a tribe of deep listeners. So you're in for a real treat. He's got some great easy tips to really maximise your listening skills. And I'm really, really happy to have him today on the podcast. So I'm delighted to be welcoming Oscar Trimboli to the podcast show today, all the way from Australia. Welcome, Oscar.
1: Thanks and g'day, Emma Sue. I'm really looking forward to listening to your questions, particularly as it relates to those really important future skills.
0: Yes. And one of the skills that is featured in the book is empathy. And we talk in our workshops and in the book a lot about the role of listening. So this is what I'd love to hear more from you about, Oscar, your, uh, your take on all of this
1: we all see in colour but we listen in black and white and the reason that happens is because we spend 55% of our day listening yet only 2% of us have ever been taught how to listen and the bigger the groups you work with MSU or the bigger uh, the responsibility you carry or the more senior you are the more of your day you'll spend listening so if you're an executive Mm. or a board you're spending up to 83% of your day listening but there's a huge gap between knowing that you need to listen better and being a better listener. There's three amazing statistics. 86% of us think we're above average IQ, 82% of us think we're above average drivers, and 83% of us think we're above average listeners. And yet none of us mm. were taught how. So a lot of the things that I do and working with organisations is just getting them conscious of, what does listening actually mean and what's the distinction between mm-hmm. hearing and listening is often the, the starting mm-hmm. point. The big thing for me and the big thing for most people is they get fixated on listening to the speaker as the starting point for good listening. And it's a handy place to start, but it's actually the wrong place to start. Level one listening starts with listening to yourself And most of us aren't Mm. even conscious of that. We go from meeting to meeting or phone call to phone call or we jump in our car and drive to the next meeting and we're not even conscious that the last Mm. conversation is still in our head when we go into the next conversation. So to be present, to be available, to clear our mind of, the radio frequency from the last conversation so we can tune into the current conversation, Mm. that's one of the starting skills that most of us aren't even conscious about. They figure if we can go, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, tell me more, and nod at the speaker, (laughs) we're actually listening. But the reality is Mm. we're drifting off. In fact, it's happening right now whether you're commuting, whether you're running, whether you're chopping up vegetables for a meal, you're distracted right now while you're listening to this. Mm. So... the the first thing is for us to become conscious of all the distractions around us and how to become present in the conversation and i know that your book and particularly the empathy chapter talks to this
0: yes i mean but how do we create that space how do we do that because most of us as you say we are rushing around from from thing to thing and meeting to meeting and situations how do we begin where do we begin
1: three really practical tips Number one, devices in flight mode. And if you want to be brave and you're not addicted because the addicts can only take those uh, mobile devices going into flight mode, if you really want to be brave, just switch it off and put it in your bag. It's in March 2014, I was hosting uh, a vice president from Microsoft to Australia from our head office in Seattle. And he was addressing a group of 20 CEOs in the room. And he was at the head of the table. And I just finished introducing Peter. And it was relatively formal setting. Everybody had a glass of water. Everybody had a notepad. And he was just about to address the group. And he said, forgive me. And he took his phone out of his pocket, (laughs) put it in his bag and switched it off. And then he sat back down, he said, the most important thing I can give you right now is my full, complete and undivided attention. Mm. Now, Emma Sue, what do you think happened with the other 20 CEOs around the table <laughs> in that moment?
0: I guess that the message that's, that, that gives them is huge, but were they switching their phones off? I doubt it.
1: 14 <laughs> of the of the uh, 20 people either switched their phone to flight mode and put it in their jacket pocket, but everybody took their phone off the table and some people put it in the bag. Okay. And then it's a really good example of the role of leadership mm. to role model. What, what, is, what does change look like? Yes. So for most of us, switch the mobile device to flight mode or switch it off. If you're going to a meeting with mm. a laptop, you know what? It's, it's handy to kind of tap away on that keyboard, but you're not present. Working with neuroscientists and many mm. other people, the brain is stacked at the prefrontal cortex. When you're listening, that's the modern part of the brain, and it can only process one thing at a time. Now, sure, we can multitask Mm -hmm. while we're driving, but we're using different parts of the brain. So when it comes to listening with no training and no conscious competency, we need to be completely present. So that's tip number one. Tip number two, a hydrated brain Mm -hmm. is a listening brain. So drink a glass of water. For every meeting, you're a participant in If you're drinking coffee during that meeting, you're going to have to have an extra glass of water. Encourage the other people to drink a glass of water. As the brain is only 6% of the body mass, yet it consumes 25% of the blood sugars of the body, the more we can do to support that part of the body that is doing all this processing, the more likely um, we can be present. But more importantly, not get distracted consistently. And the third tip is the deeper you breathe, the deeper you listen. In 1993, University of Ottawa did a study, 410 people, and one of the most significant correlations to counterparties believing that the other person was listening to them was the depth of their breathing. So tip one, switch off those mobile devices. Mm. Tip two, drink water. Tip three, just breathe a little bit more deeply. And how do I integrate that in? I'm not a perfect listener mm. by any stretch of the imagination. But when I visit clients, mm. I the minute I cross the lobby floor, I go take my phone out, put it off and put it in my bag. The minute I get in the lift to go up to reception or between the time I walk in the building and get to reception, I'm just practicing three deep breaths. And it's not... <sighs> it's not kind of that Mm -hmm. yoga thing that we're trying to get going. It's just in through your nose, down, down the back of your throat, all the way through your diaphragm and back up again. I can tell you I do it in many lifts across the world and nobody in that lift knows I'm doing it. And then the Mm -hmm. third thing I do is when I introduce myself to reception Mm -hmm. and they offer me coffee and tea, I always ask for a glass of water and I ask for water for the number of participants in the meeting. Those three simple things actually overcome 86% 86% of the distractions yes. you have when it comes to listening at level one.
0: And I really, I, I, I do love that these are simple things because one of the things that we advocate in, in the book with and in our workshops with all of these skills is that it's about the small things that you do. It's not massive, big changes. It's the little things that you do every day or every time you're going into a meeting that make the biggest impact, right?
1: Yeah, and if you read James Clear's books, Atomic Habits or all the habit books, they all talk about micro habits. So James in his book talks about the fact if you want to go to the gym, the most important habit you need to create is to put your clothes out next to your bed (laughs) before you go to sleep. Forget the gym membership. And then he says... (laughs) have the shoes ready to go, and then for the first week, just walk around the block. And once you've got that habit nailed, then you can go and think about a gym membership. But yeah, habit formation at a really micro level helps to build these muscles that make us better each time. Mm. So that's why Mm. you know I can talk about the power of the ninja move of listening, which is listening for what's unsaid. Sounds completely counterintuitive, but most people at least based on the research we're doing and the research from other academics, whether that's in Israel or Missouri or in Germany or in Holland, people are stuck with distraction. So uh, uh, if you can't get over the mobile device thing or anything like that, just switch it to flight mode once a day Mm -hmm. and then eventually you can move on to every meeting you're Mm -hmm. having with a human.
0: I was talking to um, somebody who uh, specializes in, in teaching mindfulness and meditation, and we were talking about mobile devices. And what he said to me was that obviously everybody's got them and, you know, it's very, very visible. And he said that the distraction from mobile devices is something that is visible and we can see it. But that actually, if you took those devices away, we are naturally uh, inclined to being distracted through our own thoughts, through through lots of things that are going on in the brain. So even before phones and even before smartphones, we were probably being distracted and not listening, I guess. Yeah,
1: just the software industry's taken it to a completely new level. The mm. psychologists, they mm. use to program the slot machines in North America, in Las Vegas, to keep people just pressing that button over and over again. That Mm -hmm. same group of people are helping people who develop apps to make sure you keep pressing that button. So there's a simple thing called grayscale on your your phone, which will switch those little red dots off. If you want to graduate from uh, addiction to flight mode, the transition step is to switch all your red dot notifications off on your phone. But the point Mm -hmm. made about Mm -hmm. being mindful, even if you've got the phone switched off, when it comes to listening... There's three numbers you need to be conscious of. 125, 400, and 900. I speak at 125 words a minute, yet, Emma Sue, you can listen at 400 words a minute. Now, what that means is, while I'm talking, I'm talking too slow. You're filling the gap with 270-odd words in your head, and you're thinking about the next question you might be asking me. You're thinking about, Will this storm create something for my child to be late when I pick them up Mm -hmm. from school? And many other things. Is the recording still working on this software so that we can have a great experience? Many things are going (laughs) through your mind. I want to be clear. I'm not an expert when it comes to listening. I'm just more conscious that I will be distracted and I've got techniques to overcome it. So if you think Mm -hmm. about this, Mm -hmm. if you know you're going to be distracted, you don't tend to drift away as much in the conversation, you notice it quicker. So what I do a lot of the time, I just draw a square on a piece of paper while I'm listening to someone, and I just put a dot on that square when I want to move an idea that's jumped into my brain and doesn't make me present for the person speaking. Now, the last number I mentioned was 900, I can think at 900 words a minute, yet I can only talk at 125. So the likelihood, the first thing out of my mouth is what I'm actually thinking, As a one in nine chance or 11%, Emma Sue, I don't know about you, I spend a lot more time going to the doctor than not these days. And if a doctor gave me 11% chance of surviving a surgery, I'd be asking for a second opinion. Yet when it Mm -hmm. comes to listening to other people, it's the exact same odds and we never ask for a second opinion. We just assume whatever comes out of their mouth the first time is what they mean. The reality is it's not true. There's 89% Mm -hmm. of their meaning still Mm -hmm. stuck in their head. And a skillful listener doesn't listen to make sense of what the speaker is saying. They try and help the speaker make sense of what they're saying. And here's a couple of really simple phrases that will make you a spectacular listener overnight. Tell me more. What else? If you can just practice those two simple phrases, tell me more, what else? you will notice a complete change mm. in the state of the speaker. What will happen is, and you may notice this in some of the client work you do, MSU, they'll do things like, well, actually, what I haven't told you is, or they'll say, well, what's really important that we haven't discussed? <laughs> or thinking about it a little bit more, what I should have said is, now, all those are code words to tell you that whatever they did the first time on the rinse cycle of their washing wasn't the second rinse cycle and the third rinse cycle. And you see, neural pathways form differently when you speak compared to when you think. And if you can help the speaker to fully explore what's on their mind, they think you're a spectacular listener. More importantly, it means you Focus the conversation on what matters mm. rather mm. than the external first rinse cycle, which it's handy, but it's not powerful. So deep listeners have mm. an impact beyond words because they getting to the point. A lot of organizations have things like project meetings and project work in progress meetings. And a lot of time they're weekly or they're monthly or they're fortnightly. They're relatively regular, but a lot of them get stuck in, oh, I thought I'd finish this task and you're telling me that's not what you asked me to do because they weren't listening in that first meeting. They never sought to confirm what they were delegated as a task is what they were supposed to do and whether that's mm-hmm. true in the mm-hmm. workplace or whether that's true in a home relationship, it, mm. it kind of shows up differently. I've got a funny story, if you're okay with me sharing. I was working with a CEO of a software company about three years ago. He rang me up on a Monday morning. His name was Mick. And he said, mm. you nearly cost me my marriage last Friday night. And I said, oh, tell me more. And he said, my wife put the kids to bed and said, we need to talk when she came downstairs at the dinner table. When your wife says... We need to talk, Oscar. That's not a good thing. And I went, oh, well, what happened? And he said, well, I sat down and I was practising. So I'd been working with Mick for 90 days. I was practising furiously, Oscar. Don't get distracted. Um, be in the moment. Don't judge what she's about to say. And, and she simply said to Mick, come clean. I know you're having an affair. And in that moment, he, he said, everything in my body wanted to fight the conversation. So he just said, tell me more. And she said, in the last 90 days, you've never paid me this much attention. I can handle the truth. Just be honest. Who is it? And he said, he put, he put his hand on her hand <laughs> on the table. And he said, it's not what you think. And she got even angrier. Mick said, you see, it's a man. I'm seeing a man and his name's Oscar. And she started crying. And he, and he goes, no, 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 it's not what you think. He's teaching me how to listen. <laughs> and she breathed out and the mood completely changed across the table. And she was relieved. And she said to him, I've never felt sexier than in the last 90 days. You've never paid me this much attention. Now, the rest of what he told me was kind of a bit X-rated and kind of related to his honeymoon. We won't go there. <laughs> we all crave attention is the point of the story that Mick told me. And he said to me immediately <laughs> after the following week where they were working mm-hmm. with a large customer sale. Mm-hmm. And he said, Oscar, when I gave up trying to be right, and just started focusing on listening, I heard so much more and the same thing was happening. The customers were finding me really attractive because I was listening to them. So it plays out Mm. at home, it plays out at work. There's all sorts of ways that listening is one of those amazing future Mm. skills around empathy.
0: It seems like from what you've been saying that if we're, when we're not listening, Um, And we are responding, we're just responding to what the person is saying in that first kind of rinse cycle. That is adding to a massive amount of miscommunication every single day, right?
1: Absolutely. And it just multiplies and it multiplies exponentially. It's like they I thought they said and I thought they said and and all of a sudden the conversations just move to a completely different place because nobody's asking people all about the other four levels of listening, and I'll just do a quick uh, movie trailer for the for all five levels of listening. Level one, listen to yourself. Level two, listening to the content. Level mm-hmm. three, listening for the context. Level four, listening for what's unsaid. And then level five, listening for meaning. If you actually start to listen a little bit more to yourself and a little bit more to the content, and the content's not just what they say, the words, and it's not just the their body language either. It's not the fact that they might have their arms folded, but it's also the energy that they're projecting. A lot of the times people give away clues without saying a single word. Again, I was working with a client only about three months ago and they they literally just stepped a little bit further back in their chair. Well, it wasn't a step, they just leaned back a little bit further in their chair. And I noticed that. And they said something and they continued saying something. And I just brought them back. I said, Alan, when you leant back in your chair, what was that about? And he paused and he said, hmm. And there was this deep silence. Hmm. He said, that's the moment I made a decision to take responsibility for the decision I made, because up until then, I'd just been making excuses. I guess the point of the story isn't that I noticed him leaning back and I didn't raise it immediately. It's just to be comfortable with silence. Hmm. I think in the West, we have this awkward relationship with silence. We call it the awkward pause. We call it the pregnant pause. Yet in the East, whether I'm in China or Japan or Korea or really powerful, strong storytelling <laughs> cultures like the Inuit of North America, the Australian Aborigines, the Maori and the Polynesians, or the, or the jungle tribes of South America and Africa, they see silence as a sign of wisdom, as a sign of authority. And they're very comfortable with the pause. And I always say, Treat silence like it's another word. Listen to the beginning, the middle, and the end of silence, because you'll be surprised what you hear after that. Quite often what you hear after that is what they actually want to say rather than what you want to interrupt them mm-hmm. to make them a little bit more seem you you seem a little bit more clever because your kind of ego's jumping into the conversation then. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just mm-hmm. curious thinking about mm-hmm the future skills, the seven skills for the future. Where do you think silence fits mm. in there, Emma
0: <laughs> I think silence is part of probably all of them um, because I think we, we need to create more space um, mm. between uh uh, help you just in that in that space we can choose how we respond to things that are going on around us, and I think so silence for me comes into that space. Um, but if it's any particular one skill, then it still for me would be empathy.
1: I see playing an interesting role in integrity as well,
0: because
1: mm, mm. because because silence is often the point at which we get a choice to honour our responsibility to what we commit to mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. As that example with Alan talked about earlier on, it was about him becoming choiceful and owning the responsibility for the decision because in that moment, without giving away too much, he was blaming head office, he was re- blaming the regional office, he was blaming the local regulator, mm-hmm. he was blaming the media, he was, mm-hmm. he was blaming pretty much everybody and But in that moment of pause when he leant back in the chair, he finally took responsibility mm-hmm. and said, I'm the leader. I've got to take responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. And I saw this congruity between what he was saying and his heart and his gut feel, and there was this big connection there. Mm. And I think I think for a lot of us we just miss those moments because our heads are in our laptops, our heads are in <laughs> our phones, we're getting yeah. distracted. You're yeah. not even present enough to notice that moment. Yeah. where he leaned back in his chair
0: yeah 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 yes because it's 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 creating that space uh, to respond to respond either from a from a from a place of of integrity aligned with your with your heart as you're saying or um to have a chance to respond in a completely different way than you than you might normally or you might see your first kind of gut reaction or your gut response mm. um I think one question I do want to ask you um, that's intriguing me is I know you work with a lot of companies and you work, you know, you said at the beginning that we're not taught these skills. Mm. What about kids, young people? How can we help them to become better listeners? How can we teach them?
1: I always get two questions when I jump off stage after speaking. It's either the, uh, I'm a really good listener, but my manager's terrible, or (laughs) how do I teach my children how to listen better? As a parent, Mm. and here's something that people aren't even conscious of, you are teaching your children how to listen every single day. They are role-modelling how you listen Now, if you want to simply improve your listening, just take a simple little step forward to listening better and role modeling listening to children better. By the way, I've analyzed 26 countries around the world and nowhere is listening taught to primary school kids. And nowhere are teachers taught how to teach kids Mm -hmm. how to listen, I'm on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world, and one of the things I have to do over this next decade, thus the research, is to create research that can be embedded in teaching curriculums at university level for teachers, particularly a primary school. So here's the tip that you all want to listen out for if you're a parent. Bring your eyes to the same level as the child when you're speaking to them every single time, and you will completely transform Both your relationship and the way they think about listening. Now, for some people like me, Mm. in dealing with Ruby and Xander and Paige and Sebastian, who are all my grandchildren, and I've got creaky old knees. So it's very difficult sometimes for me to get down to their level. So I just bring them up to my eye level and I put them on the bench. Mm. Now, for some of you Mm. in the audience, you travel. And here's the hack. If, you do, if you're doing FaceTime with them or you're doing a phone call with them, same thing is true. Whether they're there physically present or not, mm-hmm. it's going to bring your consciousness to their level. So if you're in a hotel room, make sure you're sitting on the floor if that's how short your children are when you call them. It will completely transform <laughs> the way you listen to them. But more importantly, it will completely transform the way they felt heard. For most of us, we're shouting at our kids. Mm-hmm. We're saying, why didn't you listen? And all it's doing is setting up a really unproductive environment for us as parents in regard mm-hmm. to listening. For teenagers, mm-hmm. here's a simple hack. If you've got a teenage boy, if you want to get them to listen to you and you listen to them, do a task with them rather than looking at them straight in the eye and having the conversation, Um chop up food together and face away from each other, boys will engage better with that or gardening or walking along the street. Whereas with a Mm. a, a female teenager, a a girl or a teenage girl, you can look them in the eye. They're more than happy to have a milkshake, a coffee, a conversation face-to-face. In fact, Mm. they'd appreciate it even more if it was created in a relatively intimate environment. And by intimate, I mean a coffee shop where you've created space around But some of us aren't even conscious of those two little nuances Mm -hmm. as they get there. The good news and the bad news, Emma Sue, we are teaching our kids how to listen every day by the way we role model as parents to the other parent or to an older sibling or to a grandparent. So be careful of the example you set because you're teaching them by your actions, not just by your words.
0: Yes, that's so true. And as soon as you said that, that were role models. I, I immediately thought, okay, yes, this is this is true. And uh, yeah, I, 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 there are lots of things I could be doing differently. I think with my kids.
1: <laughs> so just practice with that one at eye level.
0: Oscar, thank you so much for coming onto the show. It's just been fantastic having you. And you've got some great tips and some great things that we can just we can start putting into practice like right away right now um if our listeners want to find out more about you where can they find you i know you've got a book and i know you've got some really interesting cards that came in the post as well could you tell us more about about
1: about yeah and we've got jigsaw puzzles and all sorts of things we've got listening challenges but the simplest place to start is visit listeningmyths.com And if you visit listeningmyths.com, we'll show you the five levels of, sorry, the five myths of listening and a simple practical thing like you've heard today about what to do about each of those myths. And a lot of people have just said to me, wow, I didn't even realize that those five simple things are more than enough. I forget about your book, Oscar. I'm just happy with that little PDF downloadable. So again, if you visit (laughs) listeningmyths.com, Emma Sue, that's all people need to do to get started on the journey from moving from a distracted listener to a deep and powerful listener.
0: And we'll have that website, listeningmyths.com, in our show notes for you to go to as well. Thank you so much, Oscar. It's been wonderful having you.
1: Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 7 Skills for the Future podcast. You can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere where podcasts can be found. If you want to make sure that every new episode ends up on your phone, all you need to do is hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a five-star review so more people can find out about the show? If you'd like to stay in touch or send in one of your questions for MSU, then go to Unimenta on Twitter, 7 Skills for the Future on Instagram or at unimenta.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, there's the book, 7 Skills for the Future, available at booksellers everywhere.